Hello, remote friends. The information from this podcast is rich with remote support, but it's even more important that you go from information to application to get the best results possible. Remote work is here to stay, and we want to help you on your way. So let us know how we can support you even more by visiting remotepathways.com. There you will find a quick link to talk with us directly. Reach out to Jen for all your teamwork, leadership, coaching, and facilitation needs. And reach out to Michelle for developing a healthy, sustainable rhythm of life through spiritual practices, 90-day projects, and simple structures to support your remote working journey. Until we connect, thank you for listening. It's such an honor going remote together with you. Let's explore the remote world. Together we'll discover the people, places, and pathways to working remotely. We'll engage in great conversations, share tips and valuable resources, and connect you with voices from the field. Let's go remote together. Good morning, Jen. It's another Tuesday, and that means podcast day. So glad to be in this space with you. How are you doing today? I'm doing wonderfully, and it's always great to uh, have a conversation with you, Michelle. I'm really excited about our guest today, Christina Lee. And as we've been getting prepped for this, I realize there are so many interesting connections that we've already uncovered. So let's meet Christina Lee, our special guest of this episode. Christina Lee is the Chief Executive Officer for Paradigm 360 Coach Training, LLC. She has a wealth of experience in corporate, nonprofit management, fundraising, and development. Prior to leaving corporate America, she served as District Director for Junior Achievement of the Bay Area and was responsible for supporting the organization in its annual $3.5 million operating budget through corporate and individual giving and managed a district advisory board of C-suite executives. She's also skilled in building teams through behavioral management assessment-based trainings, developing over 5,000 leaders within a 10-year span. Since 2004, she has successfully trained small companies, school districts, and nonprofit organizations. She holds a certification as an executive leadership coach from Dream Releaser Coaching, a coach trainer certification from Life Forming Leadership Coaching, MBTI certification, and DISC certification. She is a Prosky Change Management Practitioner, a Lean Six Sigma Green Belt, and Certified Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Practitioner. Christina is a native of Oakland, California, has a wonderful husband of more than 34 years, and six adult children. She's a national speaker, teacher, executive coach, and serves as assistant chaplain to NFL families through the Professional Football Players Mothers Association chaplain for her local police department, and serves as an EOA board member for one of the world's largest entrepreneurial organizations. One of her greatest joys in life is her involvement with the Paradigm 360 Young Entrepreneurs Program, a program that develops and prepares young talent for future marketplace leadership. In her spare time, she enjoys reading, podcasting, and vacationing on California beaches. We are so glad you've joined us here today on the Remote Pathways podcast. Welcome. Thank you, Michelle. Thank you, Jennifer. I am un- I'm unglued being here with the two of you today. Thank you for having me. 
<laughs> we are excited to have you. Now, I've been able to speak at your podcast. Christina, Christina's got a great podcast called, let's give you a plug first off, your podcast, you have several podcasts, but your leadership podcast is? Exec Talk. Exec Talk. Exec Talk. And it's on the uh, Apple and Google platforms and uh, Spotify and all of those great things. So we, we join uh, the audience to take a listen uh, as they can. Fantastic. Well, I'm so excited that you are here with us today to talk about a really, really important topic, that being diversity, equity, and inclusion. So, Christina, I've known you for a while. I know how important the work is that you do with leaders, with communities, and really want to welcome you for, you know, hopefully one of uh, of many conversations on this really, really important topic right now. So what would you like to say to our leaders as we get started? Anything beyond the bio that's important for them to know about you? No, I think um, you all pretty much have captured everything. Um, I guess the one thing that I would add is that, you know, the work that we do at Paradigm 360 is really tied to our value system. And uh, we really, whether we're doing that through a remote pathway or whether we're doing it face-to-face, uh, we really want to make sure that people walk away feeling valued and honored. And so I would like to say that we're an organization that uh, is rooted in giving honor to leaders. Fantastic. And, and what sparked you? You know, you are the CEO, correct, of Paradigm 360. And so what what was the impetus to get you involved in the DEI space? You know, I think it's what sparked most of the world of consultancy. Um, Of course, the George Floyd uh, incident was paralyzing to our country. And as an African-American female who has uh, had, unfortunately, the experience of my own husband um, being in a uh, drugstore, buying a box camera to take a picture of our newborn baby, and someone uh, inadvertently thought that a belt buckle uh, was a gun. He then finds himself with uh, five uh, rifles pointed at his temple uh, because the police have gunned him down in the middle of a drugstore. Um, and so remembering that, that my husband could have in that moment, the only thing that got in between my husband and him not ending up in the position of George Floyd is that my husband was a, a decorated uh, Army military drill sergeant. And one of the officers, the, super, the supervisor for the officers, happened to be one of my husband's soldiers. And when he recognized that they had gunned down the wrong person, he, of course, asked them to, um, you know, you know, take back their weaponry. So that that incident sparked something that had been laying dormant inside of myself. Uh, uh, My business partner, Yvette Hall, uh, soon to be uh, Jennifer next week, Dr. Yvette Hall. uh, She she, too, has had incidents where coming out of undergrad, uh, where she worked for a very large corporation, told her that she could no longer wear her hair natural. Uh, And so those types of things, now that was almost 30 years ago, but I think when those incidents happen, uh, you get over them because that's what African-American people have learned to do. Uh, But obviously it laid dormant. And I think that the George Floyd incident awakened 
a lot of different things and a lot of people in, and particularly in our community. And I felt that as a leader, that it was important for me to get involved. So that's kind of why we jumped in this space the way that we did, uh, because we felt like we had some experience and it was important for us to experience share with, with people of all cultures. Absolutely. And I, I'm so glad you bring that, right? Again, our experience around the world in this last year has been so different. And as a Canadian, you know, watching how events have unfolded in your country, as someone who is part of a biracial family, you know, it's it's so important that we have conversation that can be uncomfortable, that can be provocative, and also that we have safe spaces to do that. So I'm, I'm really glad that you come to join us today. We have listeners all over the world. You know, the topic of diversity, equity, and inclusion means so many things all over the world in terms of how do we bring everyone's experience into the room? How do we ensure that we're creating those places where we can have a conversation to ask questions that maybe we haven't even felt comfortable asking before. So thank you for spending some of your time. I know you're an incredibly busy professional and an incredibly talented person and sparking conversations all over. So, um, you know, I, I'm going to maybe pass Michelle the next question. Where, where do you want to take us, Michelle? Because um, Christina's got so much that she can be sharing with us and our listeners today. Yeah, just hearing um, that story and then just remembering what you said about safety, that safe safe environment. I'm thinking the trust, safety, and connection that we've mentioned so many times uh, in previous episodes. And you mentioned, um, you know, just that coaching and consulting that you do. So curious, I would love to dive deeper into what role, you know, has coaching and consulting played in a role in your DEI efforts? That's a wonderful question. And and Michelle, if, if it's okay with you and Jennifer, before I answer that question, I, I'd like to just put a pin there for a second and make this statement because I think it's important for the audience to understand where I stand on the topic of, we talked about the George Floyd uh, situation. I happen to be a police chaplain. So I want to, I want to at least put it out there that regardless of what we see in the world, uh, I come from a framework and a tapestry that believes that there are still really good police officers who put on that uniform every single day and look in the mirror, kiss their spouses and their children goodbye, knowing that they may not return. That is the um, sentiment of every officer. So uh, I in in. <laughs> In addition to having to deal with the horrific act of what happened in Minneapolis, I also have to have this delicate dance for the love that I have for our law enforcement officers. So anyone who knows me personally knows that I have a deep love and admiration for law enforcement and have had uh, several family members uh, on the side of law enforcement and on the side of fire. So I want to say that because I think I want people to understand I'm not coming with a one-sided approach to this. Uh, I care fundamentally about all people, people on both sides. And when I say people on both sides there, I realize that there are some good law enforcement officers who have also had to struggle to rebrand what law enforcement looks like in our country because of the decision of of people who have not honored their badge. Mm -hmm. 
And, and I want to I want to be able to say that because I don't think that in these types of discussions, I think sometimes we weigh on one side more heavily than the other. And if we're going to talk about equity, let's try to bring a balance to both sides, because I think that's really important. So you asked me the question about consultancy. Um, I think the, the way that we approach it most is through group coaching. Organizations will contact our firm and share with us their diversity issues, their, um, you know, equity issues. And of course, we start out by taking an assessment uh, of the organization that may it, it depends on how deep we need to go. Sometimes we have to do focus groups. Sometimes we you know, we just recently had an engagement that lasted about seven months. Uh, where we had to have focus groups, not only internally, but externally from the community. Uh, and it was it was a pretty big undertaking. Uh, we met in a group coaching format every two weeks. We had to build trust with that group. And then we had to prepare, you know, a formal report for the organization as to how we were going to move forward or what our recommendation was. So all of that came out of group coaching. So uh, we spend a lot of time, Michelle, around trust, building the foundation of trust. Because once I can establish trust with you, then I now, there's a place of vulnerability that I'm willing to open up and share my experiences with you so that you can understand a little bit more about my cultural context. And then I can come to the table and appreciate your cultural context. And what we find in group coaching is that oftentimes there's more alike than differences. That, that's, that's, that's what we found in our uh, consultancy and our practice around this work, that most people realize, you know what, I have more in common with you than, than not. So important. <laughs> you make me smile, Christine, as I hear you say that, because truly, you know, great group processes do find the common ground very quickly, which allows us to honor and, and respect and celebrate how we are all different and how we can all learn together um, as we go down the road. So I'm intrigued if we pivot this conversation just a teeny bit, as you think about, you know, the groups that you're bringing together, how does the remote layer feed into this? How, how do you scale your DEI conversations through the remote pathway? That's a very good question. First of all, I think we've done a fantastic job. Uh, the remote pathway has not prevented us from developing trust and vulnerability and authenticity. I think that we've been gifted with a skill set uh, I think, first of all, Yvette and I show up in our true authenticity. And, and you can tell, Michelle, you can tell Jennifer when someone fundamentally cares about you. Uh, you, you, you know when someone is, is just blowing smoke and trying to make a dollar. We tend to feel that we never want to be uh, transactional in our approach. We want to be transformation. We, we want to see the tears. We want people to be genuine. And so that can happen virtually as much as it can happen face to face. Matter of fact, I think in the virtual world, sometimes people find that they can at least momentarily turn their camera off if they're not uh, comfortable crying or tearing up in front of someone. And we give people the space to have that permission. So I think 
that although we've been in this virtual space, it has it has opened up a new lens for transparency, a new lens for uh, vulnerability, and corporations and companies are finding that we can do this virtually. We just have to be tooled and have the technique to have deep discussion. Mm-hmm. Because Jennifer, you and I have built a tremendous relationship and I've never stepped foot in Toronto and you've never stepped foot in Charlotte. exactly exactly it's you know it's a real relationship and i think it's one of those myths that you know oh you can't build relationships virtually well with both of you you know in in 10 years i've i've met michelle for like a day of my life but look at what we've created out of a virtual conversation space you know so and and i think that that allows it allows for us to bring our unique context which i think is you know from my own perspective, it's just, you know, that's the heart of DEI, right? We own our experience. We, we need to appreciate our own experience. And we bring that to any conversation, to any relationship, the good, the not so great, et cetera. And so um, virtually, I think it allows us to learn more and learn differently than we might have if we were just in our own locations all the time. And I think, Jennifer, it's the mindset of the leader. How do I want to show up in this virtual space with my team? How do I want to lead people into transformation? What, how do I use innovation and how do I use technology to be able to bring something rich and valuable into the lives of people? Much of this pivot into the remote space is as a leader being conscientious about how we're going to pivot our mindset. Mm-hmm. And how we're going to use this opportunity as a new vehicle to reach more people, to have more bandwidth. And I'm not discounting that we don't need to be face to face. I think we should. Uh, but I also think that that in this space of COVID-19, uh, where the whole world went remote, <laughs> uh, it has taught us one thing. We can do it. That, that's the one thing that it has taught us. And in the midst of the whole world going remote, we have this terrible, horrific tragedy at the hand of a very, very uh, irresponsible individual who took the life of Mr. George Floyd. And that brought COVID-19, the pandemic, and it's in some cases to a halt. And we saw the entire world banding together and unifying under a value system that says we have to keep people accountable, whether they're in a police uniform, a fire uniform, a medic uniform, a teacher, a lawyer, a doctor. There has to be some level of accountability in our world. If we're going to show up virtually and care about people, it starts with us holding people accountable for their actions. And Jennifer, we do that by helping organizations create value systems that their company can live by. Mm -hmm. Because a lot of this came down to the value system of the individuals who were standing there watching this horrific act and never did anything to stop it. So what type of value systems does your organization have And what does accountability look like in your organization so that when these types of things happen, someone will intervene and say enough is enough. So that's a good DEI practice. 
And all of that can happen remotely. It can all happen remotely. And it's it's making me actually reflect on, a, on something I saw at my office window yesterday where there was an incident on the street and someone actually like intervened and stood there, stood the ground and just called bad behavior. That was just not appropriate. It was escalating. But, you know, when people do intervene, when people live from their values, then we can really also mitigate against things that really can spiral quite quickly. So, yeah, definitely values, values at the heart of everything we do. And at the heart of everything we do. When we show up on the screen like this, we don't know. We don't know what people's context are. We don't know who they are. So how are we also bringing that into the conversation space? Yeah, I think, you know, again, one of the things that we do, and you're familiar with uh, the 16 conditions, uh, that's a a tool that we use uh, quite often to help organizations really define their team and their leadership. And uh, helping them find things like their supportive context, their compelling purpose, right? Uh, it's a wonderful tool um, that that really allows us to do group coaching around the root causes. And the root causes is values. I mean, at the end of the day, I, I don't, I don't, I can't speak for the Minneapolis or police department or whichever police department. Uh, was responsible for that. But I can tell you that there were people that stood around from that police department and didn't do anything. That to me is a value issue. Okay. And so when you're at an organization, whether remote or face-to-face, if your life value system does not align with the value system of the organization, that's probably not a place for you to work. But when an employee's values, their personal values, match the compelling purpose, match the compelling, uh, uh, the supportive context and all of those things that go along with building a great organization. Then I think to your point, Jennifer, people are more willing to get involved and hold people accountable. And that's what we lack. And so in virtual spaces, we need just as much accountability as we did when we were in the office sitting face to face or next to our neighbor. That's if not more if not more in some cases. And you speak to the hybrid, right? Like as, as the world reopens, most places will move to a hybrid. So this, this is just as relevant, if not even more relevant in what lies ahead. This is not just a COVID conversation. This is a, you know, going forward, the way we work will dramatically change in many spaces, not every place, but many spaces. So let's bring Michelle in here. What are, what are you hearing, Michelle? I'm intrigued. Oh, I'm hearing so much. I've got to tell you, my page is full. You know, I I love what you said about virtual provides a safe space for vulnerability to have these important conversations. And, you know, you're just embodying, you know, what you said about value and honor. Just even when you open this conversation, you you created that sp- safe space for the listeners to even uh, engage and and open the ears to what you were saying. I love the value system and that you tap into that uh, that important conversation because what I see is a pathway of opportunity to connect to something bigger than themselves and find that common bond. Uh, so just so much possibility. Talk about bringing a voice to the virtual table or including all voices. I'm so glad your voice is present, Christina. Wait, do you go by Christina or Christina Lee? 
<laughs> you know, it's funny. You know, some people actually call me Christina Lee and that means <laughs> I'm probably in trouble, Michelle. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Did your mom or dad call you that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So Christina, you know, just thank you so much. I love, you know, I can hear a lot of your heart and your intention behind the work that you do. Um, and for such a time as this, for these important conversations. Yeah, I, uh, I, I'd like to share an analogy with you uh, because I think that you know, a lot of people, as we've done the diversity, equity, inclusion work, uh, there are some people on some sides of the spectrum that say, well, you know, that was 400 years ago. Why are we still talking about this? You know, why are we still dealing with this? Let's move on. And uh, I-, I wish I could take credit for this, but I, I can't. A very good friend of mine uh, by the name of Ken Oliver, uh, who um, work, does a lot of work around uh, reentry for um, formerly incarcerated um, men and women painted this portrait for me. And it's a portrait that I will never forget. And he talked about something as simple, Michelle and Jennifer, as a monopoly game. And he talked about how for 400 years, African-American people and our Anglo-Saxon community was playing this game of monopoly. And Because the um, foundation was slanted for 400 years, if you can imagine one group of people collecting $200 every time they passed go and one group of people were more marginalized and not allowed to get around the board that over 400 years, there had been a wealth of property that had been uh, uh, purchased and owned. And by the time uh, they allowed uh, this other group, the marginalized group, to have a stake in the conversation, 400 years had passed. So they had bought Baltic Sea Court. Now, if you've ever, ever play Monopoly. You you know that Baltic Sea Court doesn't have as much value because the minute you land on Park Place, all of your wealth is just about gone. And so there's this uneven uh, um, um, playing field that is not level. And so Black and brown people are still feeling the, the effects of being marginalized and not having the opportunity of equity at the table. And so when you look at how wealth has been built on this country, it has been built on the backs of marginalized people. The sooner we understand that as a country and we own it, that's when healing starts. Because I can't, I can't heal from something I won't admit. And, and if I may, I'm just going to widen the lens, right? <laughs> because yeah. I think we also, we need to look at Indigenous people, right? Absolutely. Yes. Populations, you know, certainly in my own work, a little bit here in Canada, but especially across South America. Um, it's, it, it's a long-standing, very long-standing conversation on multiple levels. So there's no easy answer, 
right? But we need to have the conversations. We need to jump into the waters, which feel uncomfortable to everyone many times, to to discuss, well, what what can we do now? You know, what is possible from this place? I think that, and I think where I've seen the most bandwidth um, in DEI conversations has been in wonderful collaborative team conversations. We we learn, I, I get an opportunity to meet once a month with a CEO in our city. We he's white, I'm black. We get on Zoom and we just talk. He asks me questions about black folk. <laughs> I ask him questions about his folks. And we end up laughing and we end up, and listen, we have had some of the most memorable moments. I trust him. He trusts me. On If I see something on Amazon that I think will benefit him and his business, I'll, I'll shoot it over. And just recently, uh, my mentor, uh, her husband wrote a book, a great book. Uh, and uh, in in writing this this phenomenal book, Red Flags, uh, by by Mr. Walter Hill, I, I, it's a shameless plug, but but it's it's a great book for entrepreneurs. I sent him a copy. I sent him a copy because I wanted him to know I come bringing gifts because I care about you. And that's where it starts, Jennifer. I can't go back and change the past, but I definitely can change the future. Mm-hmm. That attitude, I think, that, yeah. that helps in our approach is how do we see the future together? The future together. Let's no, we can't erase the past, but boy, we sure can do some new damage in the future that will really help things open up and have a broader perspective around race and cultural diversity. Uh, even things like American Disabilities Act. How do we treat people who fall in that category? Very important. Very important. Christina, um, I I know Jen doesn't care if I share this, you know, on our podcast, but I am a spirit-filled, spirit-led lady. And this morning, you know, you and Jennifer had known each other prior to you and I, like, this is the first time I'm meeting you. And in my prayer time this morning, I was like, prepare my heart, Lord, for this conversation to meet this wonderful person. You know, thank you for bringing uh, them to our virtual table. And I was just exploring your website and we shared earlier that I landed on a different podcast (laughs) that you share. And, um, but I think it applies to this conversation too, you know, and I, I listened to something else. It's on the ministry side, all about forgiveness. I heard part one, but I haven't heard part two. I'm on the edge of my seat. I can't wait because I know it ministered to me and I could think of people immediately, you know, beyond myself that I wanted to share it to you because you mentioned a very important word in there too, healing, right. And what's possible and the pathway forward. So, um, just thank you for all the different types of work that you're doing um, out in the world. I just wanted to bring that to the table too. Well, thank you. Thank you very much. And I also, as you talk about uh, this, the art of, of forgiving people, I, I think it's important that when we have these group settings, whether it's remote or whether it's face-to-face, that we lay the groundwork by letting our, our, um, our white population understand 
that, first of all, um, you're not responsible for the things that happened 400 years ago. And I don't know if that makes sense, Michelle. It does. You, you, were, you could not choose the family you were born into. You, you could not choose the ethnicity you would be born into. Those, those things were chosen for you. I think what's important, though, is that we acknowledge that because of what happened historically in this country, I think where we fall short is, although you didn't do anything wrong, you shouldn't be held in attempt. There has to be an awareness that because of the history of this country, there are some opportunities that have been given your way, regardless of what your birthday is and when you showed up in America. There's, there's some opportunities that have been given that has not been given to other groups. Absolutely. And when we start there, it's not so much that you owe us an apology because you've not done anything. But I think what we're looking for is the openness to say, I hear you. Mm. I, I, I hear, I hear, I hear what you're saying. Mm-hmm. I, you know what? I don't, I don't, I, I, I may not understand everything because I'm not in your shoes, but I certainly, I certainly hear your heart and moving forward. I want to make sure that I create a lens within my organization that when I make decisions, I make decisions from the framework of hearing you because mm-hmm. that's where the equity and the inclusion comes in. I remember that I have to make decisions based on a framework that includes you. And includes everyone, right? That includes, includes everyone. everyone, as we said. Everyone. Abilities, culture. Gender, all of those things. That's right. All of those things are important. We don't get to mistreat people because your personal value does not line up with the corporate value. Mm -hmm. We, We don't get to do that. And that's something that's very important for people to understand. Everybody has the right to be treated with love, to be treated with dignity, to be treated with honor. To, to have an opportunity to uh, benefit from the American dream, uh, to scale their personal and professional career, to, to live where they'd like to live, to make the money that they want to make, uh, to not be heckled because of their sexual orientation, to not be bashed because of their gender choices. Everyone should be afforded the opportunity for basic human rights to be extended to them which helps scale them as an individual. And when our personal lives interfere in our corporate settings that don't allow advancement of people, race, gender, color, now we need to self-reflect and look at ourselves. We need to self-reflect and look at ourselves. And so that's really important. I don't get to determine if the person sitting next to me gets to live in the same neighborhood as I, because I don't like, I don't have a preference for their style. I'm not the benchmark for preferences and styles, by the way. Right. 
And so I think it's important, Jennifer, that we help organizations, whether it's remote, whether it's face-to-face, whether it's hybrid, where we're meeting with the team in a remote fashion, then we may do some face-to-face work in a retreat, that we help teams understand. Let's build a framework that is based on value. And when I value you, it's, it's just difficult for me to hurt you. And I think, you know, recently I, I've been in this space of reentry. I've been working with formerly incarcerated men and women. Uh, and I got to tell you, people who have uh, in their past committed uh, what some would consider heinous acts and some have not have not uh committed those types of acts at all, but they were just because of some of the issues around three strikes laws, they got caught up. But you know what? I've learned more work about value, working with individuals through the world of reentry. I've learned how to value people who um, have learned how to change, make, you know, redeem themselves and, and bring something different to the table. I think there's, too, a diversity, equity, inclusion there as well as the way we view people in the workspace who have had, because of marginalized situations, have had situations happen in their life. How do we redeem that population? How do we make that population feel comfortable in our corporate boardrooms? How do we bring them to the table and add equity and value to their life so they don't go back and become a repeat offender? Because I think statistics show when we fundamentally show care about people, people tend to make different choices. Yes. And so in our in our workspaces, whether it be remote, whether it's face to face, I really believe the root cause of this whole conversation is how I show value to people, whether it's a person who was formerly incarcerated and now they're reentering into corporate America uh, or, or whether it's a person who graduated from Harvard. Uh, and 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 they're the CEO of the organization. How do we express value throughout the organization so that we fundamentally show care? Well, Christina, we could continue this for many more hours, and I hope and I look forward to continuing this for many more hours down the road. Um, you know, what would you like to say as we close off today? It's been it's been a really powerful conversation. What would you like to share as we go to wind down? Jennifer, I would like to thank you for your openness, your leadership, your heart, your integrity, everything that you have brought to the world of remote working, this virtual space. Uh, You and I opened this conversation uh, with crediting Dr. Edward DeBono as being the one who mastered, in many cases, the art of thinking. And I would similarly say to you, you have mastered in many ways and have a deep legacy in the world of remote spaces. And now you're using that to bring deep awareness to the world uh, and you're extending it beyond your country into a country that has had to Uh, deal with a lot of turbulence, tribulation, and bloodshed around this issue, and you've made this your virtual assignment. And so I take my hat off to you. I want to honor you for continuing to bring awareness of how companies can scale their organizations remotely, but bring value into the workplace. So thank you, Jennifer, for all your hard work and dedication. 
Well, thank you, Christina. I don't do it alone. I've got Michelle as my trusty partner in crime with this. And Michelle, we always let you have final words. So what would you like to say, Michelle? Just trying to gather my thoughts here. I am an emotional person, so I'm just buckets of tears over there. That was so beautiful. And I just heard, thank you so much for joining us today. It was such a pleasure to meet you. I heard so many um, redemption and recovery principles in this conversation. And, you know, we're in the, on the remote pathways. And if I had to tag this one today, uh, I'm stirred with a heart of compassion right now. It's the pathway to healing, the pathway mm-hmm. of hope. So thank you for this important conversation. And I just echo that you said about Jennifer and, uh, and back to you, Christina, I can see why you're great friends and where you bonded. Uh, so I'm glad that you guys uh, joined in that common bond years ago. And I'm glad to be here and joining you in that common bond today. So thank you. Well, Michelle, you can't get rid of me. We're great friends too now. So see. That's right. <laughs> well, Christina, our time is drawing to an eye for now. But as we know, we will be back together again sometime soon on behalf of the listeners. Thank you. How can people reach out to you and learn more about what you do? Would you like to just share a contact detail with our our listeners? Sure. Uh, Our website is Paradigm360Consulting.com and uh, Paradigm, P-A-R-A-D-I-G-M. We're always asked, how do you spell that? So Paradigm360Consulting.com. We have uh, on our uh, podcast uh, platform, Exec Talk. So you can take a take a shot at listening to that on Apple platforms, Spotify, uh, all different types of uh, platforms. It's out there. So, Jennifer, listen, thank you so much. Uh, I've I've enjoyed being with you and Michelle today. Well, thank you. Right back at you. And thank you for bringing such an important topic to the conversation today. By no means is it a one and done. We want to continue this conversation through dialogue and action as as you said it's all about what we do about this as well so thank you christina i'm bowing to you our listeners can't see that but i always so appreciate our time together and michelle same thing it's just an honor and a privilege to bring this project out into the world so listeners we want to hear from you share your thoughts we look forward to that and until we meet again take care everyone be well